Bruce Nolan is standing by. Hey, wacky Bruce! Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. Welcome back to a podcast that will set the stage for many other podcasts you will hear this offseason Maybe next offseason, the offseason after that. This is what we call an evergreen podcast, much like the podcast that was done on Sean McDermott, the McDermott Masterclass, we called it. Much like the QB Stew podcast that you will hear again soon, I would imagine. But it was dropped on Thanksgiving this past year in 2020. This is an evergreen podcast, much like that. And it is called The Book of Bruce. And the reason why this podcast is so important and the reason why I feel the need to do it is because of the way that I come about making my opinions. There's going to be lots of maneuvers this offseason, as there is every offseason, by the Buffalo Bills and other teams around the league. One of the things that I think is interesting is that we oftentimes come up with their opinions on a move after the move was completed. We don't think about what we think about trading a first round pick for a punter. We don't think about that until it happens. And then once it happens, then we respond. But what that leads to is it leads to a lot of intellectual dishonesty. It leads to a lot of hypocrisy and it leads to intrinsic bias. If I don't start studying a draft prospect until after he is picked by the Buffalo Bills, there is bias. I am naturally inclined to see that player in a more positive light because I want him to be good. So if I say, gosh, Josh Smith, this wide receiver from TCU, who, by the way, is a fictional player. Josh Smith from TCU, he's not very good. And then the Bills draft him. I can't then say he's good. I already said he wasn't. And intellectual honesty is a big part of what I'm trying to do here on this podcast. And because of that, I am going to share with you all of my pre-existing opinions. The foundational pieces by which I build the remainder of my opinions around football. I share these with you for two reasons. Number one, it will help you understand how I will react to a move before I actually tell you how I reacted to a move. It'll help you understand as a listener to this podcast what it is exactly that Bruce will think about a specific maneuver. Because intellectual honesty and consistency and not being a hypocrite is important to me. And I don't want to be one of those people who just tells you everything is going to be amazing all the time because I'm naturally slanted positively 
or everything is going to be terrible all the time because I'm naturally slanted negatively. I want the opinions that I come to to be based in something. They're based in some sort of semblance of consistent logic that applies across the board. I have no interest in waiting until the bills do something and then trying to find a way to think it's great or think it's bad. You know what we call that? Spin. We call that spin. And that's not what we do here. So I'm going to take you through the foundational principles of my opinions about football. And that's what these are. They are a list of opinions that will help us better understand what my opinions will be of maneuvers moving forward this offseason and off seasons to come. Now, caveat before we even get started. Can opinions change? Yes. Opinions can change. The foundational opinions can change based on new data or based on new approaches to the same data. So what I am sharing with you right now are the foundational principles that guide my opinions about football. They can absolutely change. Let's start with the obvious one that I've talked about probably way too many times on this podcast. I did an entire podcast last offseason called Do Running Backs Matter? And I attacked that narrative because I thought that running backs don't matter is a terrible, terrible phrase that does a bad job of phrasing what the argument's actually about. But at the end of that discussion, I came to a couple hard, fast rules when it comes to running backs. The first one is, don't take a running back in the first round. The second one is, don't give a running back a second contract. That's it. Those are the two rules when it comes to running backs. I've gone ad nauseum as to why, but I'll kind of hit some highlights for you right now. Replaceability is a big part of value. So you will see this particular concept repeated throughout the chapters and verses of the book of Bruce. And that is this value is quantifiable. Well, Bruce, there's a bunch of things that aren't quantifiable. Yes, that's true. But allow me to explain to you what I mean when I say quantifiable value equals the impact of the player on the team minus their replaceability minus their impact on the salary cap. Those three things subtracted from each other provide value. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you can slap a number on it, but there's an equation for it. And that's why I said quantifiable, because there's an equation for it. One of the ways that it helps us to understand concepts is to put them into things and archetypes and chassis that we understand. In this case, an equation. You've heard me say before that disappointment can be quantified. It is expectations minus reality equals disappointment. How much disappointment you're feeling is the difference between your expectations and reality. That's how you quantify disappointment. It's the same thing with value. Good or bad value is determined by those three factors. The impact on the team, on the field, intangibles, things like that, minus the replaceability of that impact, minus the impact on the salary cap. 
When you say something's a good value or a bad value, that's exactly what I mean. If the impact on the team is really high, but the replaceability is really high, and the impact on the salary cap is really high, that's not a good value. People confuse value with impact, but impact is only one part of value. Value is what you give versus what you get. And then what you give versus what you get has to be compared to opportunity cost. And that's how you end up with replaceability. So this is where the running backs discussion comes into play, but not just the running backs. All discussions will fall under this umbrella. Running backs have an impact on the game. They do. You hand them the ball hundreds of times a year and they run the ball. They have a good impact on the team. However, they're extremely replaceable. This has been proven time and time again. I don't have to do it on this podcast. The way you make that work is you understand that if the impact to the salary cap is high, that pushes the value in a bad place. Because the impact on the team is high, but the replaceability is high. So those two things are subtracted from each other. Now you're not left with very much. And if the impact on the salary cap is also high, now all of a sudden, two of your three components are high. Replaceability, impact on the salary cap. And those two are sucking away from whatever impact on the team that player brings you. So again, refresh. Value is what you have left over when you have the impact of the team minus the replaceability minus the impact on the salary cap. Those things are what govern my understanding of value when it comes to football players. And that's why running backs should not be given second contracts and you shouldn't pick them in the first round. Well, I want a higher impact player. We've established you can get high impact players all over the draft. In addition, the fifth year option, the fifth year option, if they're a pro bowler, becomes a transition tag. And that fifth year option skews the salary cap implication to make it a bad value. Whereas that same fifth year option applied to a different position would provide you good value. It would be positive, not negative. And as such, don't pick them in the first round. Don't give them a second contract. Now, this leads you very nicely into the next verse in the book of Bruce. And that is, the salary cap is real. The salary cap is absolutely real. It's able to be manipulated. And I would make an argument, it should be manipulated. You absolutely should take advantage of the fact that the salary cap can be manipulated. And if you don't manipulate it at all, if you're never restructuring deals to take advantage of opportunities, then you're really not doing your team the best service when it comes to managing your resources. You can under-manipulate the cap. You can absolutely do that. Do you remember when the Bills had the cash-to-cap theory? I would consider that whole theory when it comes to team building under-manipulation of the cap and wasted opportunity. You also can over-manipulate the cap. You have to manipulate it just enough to make sure that you keep up with the rising salary cap that's associated with the increase in revenue year over year from the league. If you over-manipulate it and you keep kicking the can down and down, down and down and down the road, it eventually sucks up the gain 
that you are gaining every year as the salary cap goes up. And so that's when over-manipulation comes into play. But the salary cap is absolutely real. The salary cap isn't real, that statement, is just as bad of a statement as running backs don't matter. It is designed to provoke people. It's designed to be provocative in its nature and to make you feel things. And you know what? It does. It makes me feel irritation. That's what it makes me feel. Because it's an overly simplistic version of saying the cap can be manipulated. Absolutely it can be manipulated. And you should manipulate it. But there is such a thing as over-manipulation of the cap. So I hate it when I hear the salary cap's a myth. Doesn't matter. Because there are plenty of ways to manipulate the cap. And you should manipulate the cap. But you have to do it responsibly. You can't over-manipulate it or you're going to be in trouble. You can't sign people to willy-nilly contract structures without paying attention to it ever because the bill will come due. But it only comes due when you over-manipulate the cap. So, the second piece, the salary cap, is a real thing. The third piece, the third verse in the book of Bruce is don't re-sign okay players. I don't want to give second contracts to players who are fine. They're okay. Yeah, they're fine. Why not? Why don't I want to do that? Let me explain to you why. AJ Epinesa was a second round pick, number 54 overall in 2020. He signed a four-year, $5.87 million contract with the Buffalo Bills. Second round pick, four years, $5.87 million. That's an average annual salary of $1.469 million. Do you have any idea how cheap draft picks are? That's unbelievably cheap. Would you say that A.J. Apodessa was an okay player this year? I would. I would say he was okay. So why would I re-sign an okay defensive end? The free agent market for an okay defensive end is going to be 6 to $8 million a year for a passable, reasonable defensive end. That's why you don't do it. You're getting bad value. How far above or below the contract the player plays is a big part of determining value. We already established that. Two of the three things that go into value are impact on the team and impact on the salary cap. So those two things relative to each other matter. So if I can get an okay player for four years, $5.87 million who's young, don't re-sign to a second contract a player who's just okay for six to $8 million. This is why draft picks are so important. They're so important because they provide you with a cost-controlled, low-cost player. Well, Bruce, what if they don't hit? What if they don't hit? I just said don't resign okay players. If you can't get okay players on day two and day three of the draft, you're going to be in trouble. Because that's the lifeblood of your team. The lifeblood of your team is being able to get players who have okay, good, 
very good results that are playing at or above their contract level. I'd rather just trade it for something proven. I'd rather just trade it for an asset. Yes, you can do that. You trade your second round pick for a good player or an okay player who will be making, I don't know, three times what AJ Epinesa is making. That gap matters. The gap between how you're playing and what you're being paid matters. That's part of getting good value. Value is important because the salary cap's real. So all this stuff is connected. So no running back in the first round or second contract. Don't re-sign okay players. The salary cap is real. We went through value. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back. We're going to finish up the rest of the book of Bruce. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. You know, I actually debated putting these verses of the book of Bruce into like King James sort of language. Thou shalt not draft a running back in the first round or provide them with a second contract at market value. Yeah, I thought about it. Maybe you do the preacher from Princess Bride. Mowage. Mowage is what brings us together today. The blessed arrangement. Anyway, okay, going off the rails entirely. So, the book of Bruce continues with respect positional value in the draft. I feel like we know this intrinsically, But then when we see it written out or we hear someone talk about it, we go, oh, yeah, okay. A run stuffer, defensive end. A two-down linebacker. A blocking tight end. A fullback. A long snapper. Specialists. These are people whose impact on helping your team win is lower. Not incredibly low, just lower. And as such should not be taken with a high asset because of opportunity costs. Don't draft a fullback in the second round. Fullbacks don't help you win as much as the other things you could have drafted in the second round. If you'll notice, a lot of these things that are part of the book of Bruce are about value. They're just about value. Because the most optimal way to build your team is a thing. And this is really important. There isn't one way to build a championship team. There is, however, a highly probable way of building a championship team. We have seen teams win the Super Bowl with a game-managing quarterback, a good running game, and a good defense. That has happened. Should you build your entire team toward that goal? No, because it has a lower probability of happening. And that's what this is about. This is not me saying that this is the only way to build the team. 
It's me opining, because that's what this is, a list of opinions. It's me opining that there is an optimal way to build and run a team. Not that there's only one way to build and run a team. Because there are teams who have survived differently. The great example recently is the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots did not draft overly well. Well, if your method of being able to build a franchise is acquire arguably the greatest quarterback of all time and the greatest coach ever, just acquire them and it'll be fine. Then maybe you shouldn't shoot for that. Maybe that shouldn't be the goal that you're aspiring to because I don't think that's going to happen. But in today's league, passing the ball and stopping the pass are more important than running the ball and stopping the run. They correlate more effectively with team success. We established that last summer when we did football myths. As such, things that help you pass the ball better and stop the pass better have a greater impact on your team overall in a positive method than things that help you run the ball and stop the run. That doesn't mean you don't want to do those things. That doesn't mean you don't want to run effectively. That doesn't mean you don't want to stop the run effectively. You do. They're just not as important. I'm not pushing away all other concepts. I'm prioritizing these. That's very important. Extremely important. So respect positional value and draft and understand that there isn't one way to win a championship. However, there is an optimal way to increase your probability of success long term. The next thing, when scouting players, upside means the sum of your traits. That's what the word upside means. When I say upside to you as a listener to this podcast, what I mean is a collection of their traits. High upside means a lot of traits. Low upside means not a lot of traits. When I say Jake Fromm is not a high upside passer, what it means is I don't see a lot of positive traits from Jake Fromm. And we've talked about traits a lot on this podcast. So upside is a collection of your traits. And then traits as a coach in your players give you options. So having a player with a lot of traits gives them upside and gives the coach options. That's what traits do. Traits give you upside as a player and they give your coach options. Book of Bruce versus whatever it is we're on at this point. When signing free agents, there are four categories of free agents that I like to look at personally. When I'm looking in my head, if I was in charge, here's what I would do. My opinion is on these four categories of players. Category one, potential that was hampered by position. If you have someone who is becoming a free agent, who wasn't able to meet their potential due to position, whether that's position on the depth chart, they were stuck behind all pros, for example, or their physical position. They were miscast in a role that they weren't supposed to fill. That's an opportunity for good value. There it is, value again. How do you get the best value? You get someone to play above their contract. How can you get them to play above their contract? One of the ways you can do that is you can find someone 
whose potential was hampered by position. If you'd like an example of this type of free agent, Micah Hyde would be this type of free agent when he left from the Packers to come to Buffalo. His potential was hampered by his position. He was a gadget dude on defense. He was a utility man. He came in here and played true safety and has been very, very good and has massively outperformed his contract. He is great value because he's outplayed the contract he was given. Any positive value contributes to the team. The second type of unrestricted free agent that I would like to pursue is someone whose potential was hampered by injuries. This allows you the opportunity to get someone who outplays his contract. Now, obviously, there's a small risk involved. However, that risk is usually minimized by the fact that everyone else interprets that risk to be the same. And as such, the contract is lessened. Jordan Poyer would be an example of this particular free agent archetype. Potential hampered by injuries. The third type of undrafted free agent that I would pursue is a star not typically available. Someone who's going to get a market contract was probably going to get a market contract if they would have stayed with their team is one of the best at their position and quite frankly just doesn't come along very much. But because of unique circumstances, they find themselves available. Mario Williams would fall into this category. I was all about the Bills pursuing Mario Williams. Mostly because he falls into this category. He really shouldn't have been available. Players who are that good shouldn't hit the market. But he did. And he absolutely lived up to his contract during his time with the Buffalo Bills. The fourth player type that I would consider as an unrestricted free agent. Known commodities on third, fourth, fifth, or so on contracts. The value on these contracts is usually very stable. Usually it's a specialist or it's a return man. It's someone whose value is very stable because they're a known commodity. You know what you're getting from this person. They're probably not going to give you great value. There isn't probably untapped potential in this person, but they might not give you negative value either. They might not perform below their contract. So it's again about maximizing your opportunity for positive value and minimizing your opportunity for negative value. This is how you Best build a team in the opinion of Bruce Nolan. Last thing. You will respect sample size. Don't re-sign players for one year of very good play. And don't sign players for one year of very good play. Don't pay them the market value for the one year they played well while ignoring all the other years they didn't. The one-year wonder phenomenon. If you only had one rule as a GM and it was don't pay people without statistically significant sample size of good play, you'd be okay because that gives a lot of people problems. A lot of people problems. So, ladies and gentlemen, we've set the table for the remainder of this offseason 
the offseason after that, and so on and so forth. If something changes to the foundational principles, I will let you know. But I wanted to lay out all of my opinions ahead of time and not react after a move is made so that you will know that I'm being intellectually honest when I give you a positive or a negative opinion on something the Bills or another team has done based on foundational principles that are listed here in the book of Bruce. To recap, no running back in the first round or second contract. Don't re-sign okay players. Care about value. Build your team to pass the ball and stop the pass. Upside is the sum of the traits. Traits give you options. Respect positional value in the draft. Four types of unrestricted free agent signings. And don't re-sign players without statistically significant sample size of positive play. That's it for right now. I will let you know if there are additions or subtractions from the Book of Bruce. And until next time, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rock.